Roger, roger. Roger, roger. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Roger, roger. As always, I'm Derek. And this is Charles here, guys. Super excited to talk about the spice. The spice melange. <laughs> when we talk about Dune 1984 version. Old Dune. Old Dune, that's right. Old Dune. Yeah, guys, we're talking about Old Dune because New Dune is coming out. Um, Mm -hmm. Neither of us were super familiar with Dune, uh, were we? Were you? Uh, No, I had... I knew a lot about the book. Uh, maybe I had read it in junior high or something, but I didn't really retain much of the story. But I knew enough about it that I was catching references and things like right. that in popular media all the time. I knew about the spice and all that. Um, <laughs> but I never really was familiar with the story. So when I saw that they were coming out with a new one that's going to come out in just a few weeks at the time of this recording, I was like, well, let's let's bone up on Doom. You know, we have a sci-fi yeah. podcast here. This is the biggest sci-fi movie to come out in like two years just because of movies these days. So let's do it. Yeah, I mean, you could even say it's the biggest sci-fi movie to come out in years, even further. Be- mm-hmm. Like, a, you know, it's a remake of a, a really classic novel and a, um, I guess, a maybe a cult following movie. We'll see, you know, we'll talk about that in our discussion. But if you guys haven't, uh, you don't know, Dune was a book that came out, I think, in 1965. I haven't read it, but um, I kind of really want to now. Mm-hmm. I know... Charles, you mentioned earlier you picked up the audio book. Yeah, after watching this movie, I only just started um, the audio book today. I'm about one twentieth of the way through the audio book, the first <laughs> hour or two, and uh, yeah, yeah, we, I'll get more into that. But I have, yeah. I have started the book. Yes, cool. Yeah, so it's uh, David Lynch did this. He was the director and. I don't know if he was the producer, but he, I think, was the screenwriter, which is interesting because he is known for, like, Eraserhead, Twin Peaks, which I've seen a little bit of, mm. about half, maybe a quarter of it. And uh, he uh, he's kind of a wacky guy, I think, <laughs> from what I understand. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, really what I know David Lynch from is uh, Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. And I, I would never consider myself to be a fan of Twin Peaks, but a lot of my friends and family love Twin Peaks so I've seen more of it than <laughs> I, I see ever your dad would being a fan I don't think he is I don't think really? he is I, I have to ask okay. him but we never talked about it um interesting but yeah and so I've seen it to me it's just very weird and bizarre so it's almost like yeah. he was reining it in for this movie but even David Lynch reining it in is still going to be very weird for a humongous <laughs> sure. mega blockbuster movie yeah. <laughs> yeah that's something that's one of the reasons why I want to pick up the book um, because I want to see like where the David Lynch stuff creeps in and what's actually closer to the novelization because mm-hmm. my just general impression of the movie is that it, I think it's probably a very close representation of the book as, as you know um, as far as they could go that my feeling is that David Lynch wrote a screenplay that tried to mirror the book as closely as possible and then there were certain sections more in the latter half of the movie that had to get sped up and cut and really, you know, I feel like he wanted to make a four hour movie and he just cut out a bunch of stuff instead of doing something like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, where it's more of an adaptation and they ax whole plot lines. They take out huge chunks of it and Mm -hmm. upscale 
um, cinematic things that would work in a cinematic setting. Right. And that's the sense that I got from this as well. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to consider like the backstory in just the history of cinema and this movie's place in it. I mean, we had... I was like, about to get to that. Return yeah. of the Jedi coming out in 1983, right? And this is 1984. So Star Wars has already been a huge sensation at Still the time. Still is at this point. I mean, yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, it's at its height. Everyone's waiting for yeah. the third movie, you know? So the first movie came out and exploded, and all of a sudden Hollywood recognized, like, hey, there's a potential to make a really big sci-fi epic mm-hmm. and make tons of money. And Dune being one of the most successful signed fiction books hard stop had always made it an attractive property for movie rights and the yeah. movie rights to dune had changed hands a whole bunch of times and it expired a whole bunch of times simply really? because it's a very like expensive movie right yeah oh, yeah. yeah there was like two or three different yeah. directors before lynch that wanted to make it and actually you know who wanted to make it and that kind of ties into one of our earlier episodes but um ridley scott was tied to direct it, but then unfortunately oh. his brother um, got really sick and suddenly died. No, he didn't get really. He mm-hmm. said his older brother suddenly passed away, and so he left production. He's like, I'm too distracted to do this movie justice. So he went on to do uh, Blade Runner instead, and so there you go. Because Blade Runner was 1982, so. You have interesting. Wow! Because Dune was in pre-production for many. It took like six years to get this movie made. Yeah, um, what? That's really interesting. So, because yeah. yeah, it's a behemoth of a movie, and so that's how you kind of get to this area. And now we're also in an age of movies where, in modern days, like you said, Lord of the Rings, you said Harry Potter. Like when Harry Better Potter decided to split yeah. its last book into two movies. That was like a revolutionary idea mm-hmm. at the time. That just wasn't really done in mo- book adaptations. Yeah. Now like, look at The Hobbit. Now, yeah, now look at The <laughs> Hobbit. Now look, it's gone even further. Now people don't even want movies. They want 10-part TV shows, right? They, they want 10-part yeah. miniseries to see things. So as stories have expanded and, and media has gotten longer, and you have extended editions and things like that. Right. The, director's ho- cut director's cut, cut hollywood was Blade still Runner operating episode, yeah. under the sense of we need to cram like no one's going to sit for more than two hours we're not making like a dune one and dune two cram it all in and make it happen and that's kind of right. where the pressure comes in for this movie and they didn't really figure out how to adapt um a novel you know mm-hmm. you don't have to make it you know verbatim it you cut out huge chunks of it upscale things that work for cinema that don't work for novels are uh, uh, things that work for cinema uh, that wouldn't <laughs> that <laughs> you know what i mean right, that right. they work in a novel but they wouldn't work in cinema this you know don't try to cram in every single chapter you don't right. need to and one of the david lynch kind of isms that like where things get kind of weird is they do have kind of that voiceover monologue of their thoughts that you read in books it's all the time weird that man. now in this they're whispering it's do. like he knows about the spice he could be the one <laughs> and it's like that's something you'd all read in a book constantly but you have to adapt when you make a movie so it's yeah. very interesting to see how um how that how that transition plays out and i will say like the first hour i've listened to the audiobook there's a lot of dialogue that was presented in the movies. I'm getting the sense mm-hmm. that David Lynch 
stuck to the book for dialogue and stuff quite frequently, which you don't normally see in a lot of book adaptations. But um, I, I think it, it's often been described this movie as kind of like a highlights reel for fans of Dune the book because <laughs> you get to see these moments that. and they're kind of replayed like one for one with the dialogue and the effects are pretty promising and like the the scale of it is astronomically huge especially for 1984 yeah. the year this was made it's just like that's one of the best things about this movie well, is just the that's scope an interesting of production. interesting thing to bring up because we just had all the Star Wars movies come out we had mm-hmm. Blade Runner and we actually I guess we're in like really classic sci-fi um, 60s through 80s right now, which is funny because we just did Blade Runner and 2001, which mm-hmm. I think um, really resonate with this because the practical effects in 2001 still look better. The special effects in Star Wars still look better, mm-hmm. but there, are, I think the the uh, the spe- uh, the special effects and practical effects don't really do it for me too much in Dune. Some of it. Yes, yeah, some of it is super atmospheric and really hits home. And is like the whole Dune itself and the worms, I think, yeah. is really um, done well. I think some of the earlier shots in I, I forgot the name of the the, the uh, Paul's planet, but the, just the style of a lot of things, practical sets, I think, do really well. But some of the special effects, I, I don't think were. I don't even think would be, would have been that impressive in uh, 1984, right? And this was a huge. Do you know the movie. budget? Forty-two million, which is like a hundred million wow, in today's money. It's a that's lot. That's crazy. Yeah, and, I would have expected more for that. But this movie had this sense that it was very expensive. But it's like oh, you yeah. said, comparing oh, yeah. it to Star Wars and comparing it to but 2001, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, it aged way worse than those movies have. And that could be for a whole variety of reasons. Um, yeah, but that's true. the thing about, like, you can tell, and that's just kind of the difference, right? It's like you can put more and more money into effects, but what we loved about space odyssey it did a lot of practical in camera effects that can right. age in like 50 years and still look great uh, but when you have this like embarrassing green screen things where you can't adjust for lighting or wind <laughs> and stuff like that and it just looks really bizarre like a guy's like pretending to fall behind yeah. in front of a green that screen that wasn't even the way right <laughs> you're know. like that's that, embarrassing that stuff, it happens it happens but but even i'm saying even some of the practical effects were not that good like there was an equivalent shot of a when paul and jessica escaped and they were in like their sand speeder kind of thing flying mm-hmm. around there was an equivalent shot in 2001 where on the surface of the moon where their lunar speeder kind of just flew by and that looked good today this does not so it, i i don't think they had the right team and right director for this movie um honestly I love a lot of the themes and ideas, and it's just chock full of really cool stuff and atmosphere, and that really wants me to pick up the book to see, to kind of get a more fleshed out version of this. And I don't even blame David Lynch, because if he was trying to be really, really strict to the book, which it sounds like he did in in parts, like, you can't fit all of that in, you know? Right. And I have some more insight into that. So when this movie was being made right tons of 
pre-production tons of money. And mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about, let me pull up some of the stats here, but there was just an insane amount of sets, an insane amount of like behind the scenes guys making this movie. Right. It was a huge undertaking. And when David Lynch made the movie, uh, he made like, I think his initial first cut of the movie was like four hours long that makes so much sense that's exactly what i thought right so what happened was the studio went back to him and said no this no one's gonna watch a movie over two hours and 19 minutes or whatever and that's the exact length of the movie and so there was a ton of post-production just to attempt to get this entire book down into a two-hour movie and that's the thing about this this particular film is that there's so much that this film does really well like i love the costume design i love the set design i even like how it gets weird in terms of its presentation i think that's just a really good director trademark agree with all of that yeah and i'm totally on board with it but it fails in really critical components like characterization and story plot like it's Mm -hmm. just totally thrown out the window because it had to be and they had to reshoot things do voiceover shots do the movie starts and i was like "Uh uh-oh at the beginning we're just a woman talking (laughs) into the camera for like two solid minutes and i know that doesn't seem long title crawl but i'm telling you it is a solid it is a long two minutes where she's explaining everything. Yeah, it's the verbal title crawl. And yeah. okay, here's 16 sound stages, 80 sets, and a total crew of 1,700. Yeah. So it's massive, massive, massive. And you see that. Like it's apparent oh, yeah, in the for film. Sure. It's and huge. here's the Star Wars tie in also. Did you know that David Lynch actually turned down the director's seat for Return of the Jedi to make this? Wow, no, I did not know that. Yeah, that he is told a... George Lucas, it's your thing, not my thing, and turned it down. Well, And then wants to do more something of... new. I wonder if that was more of a... I don't think that was like an ego thing, though. I, I that To me, that sounds like, hey, I respect what you're doing with this. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to mess like, with it. He's not like, you know? I'm too good for Star Wars. Right. He's like, that's so clearly a thing that would not embrace my weirdness. Like, could you imagine right. if it was like, the Force. <laughs> you can use the Force. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Now, a David Lynch Visions episode would yeah, kill. That would be fun. I, I think that would be cool to have him do yeah. a Visions type episode. I would, I would Yeah, that would be great. Like, everyone who ever had a chance to work on mm-hmm. Star Wars before it gets their Works shot on, so you could see uh, this like, like what minute. if yeah exactly and that would be, <laughs> that would be just really cool. enough I'm like okay I see it now that's fun but I glad it because Star Wars the whole has movie. some weird stuff that he could work with you yeah, know yeah. Little, some dark trooper experimentation some you know it, it would be really cool right but, it would um, be cool but now like so that happened right he was forced to mm-hmm. cut it down and he's gone on record multiple times saying that he considers this his worst movie he's ever done, his only real failure of his career. He considers a, it a failure. I, I, I would it, consider it... Look, there's a, a lot of triumphs in the movie, but I would ultimately consider it, unfortunately, a bad movie just because the plot suffers so heavily. But there's a lot stylistically in it that I love. Yeah. But he refuses to talk about the production in great detail, and he's refused fair, offers yeah. to do a final cut or do any work on a special edition 
He and yeah, why not release the four-hour version? Cause, because see, this he, is exactly whoa. The experience was so painful for him. He's like the fact that he 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 says this line <laughs> a couple a wacko, times that he's like, he? oh, yeah. I, he's a bit of a wacko, a bit of an. He's an, we'll call it an artist. He's an artist, okay? That's and fair. he's I like, mean, this was with, like it was very early in my career. It was like my third movie ever. Like I just like won an Oscar for Elephant Man, and right. I'm doing this. And he said, I really felt like I was selling out. I knew I was going to have to cater to studio whims. I knew I was going to have to, like, make... I knew I wasn't going to get Final Cut because I wanted it to be four hours long. I just knew that would never happen. And that's kind of... Like, it's really interesting. One day we'll have to watch, like, the making of Star Wars, that fantastic documentary. Because George Lucas went out of his way to avoid getting funded by studios for the first movie to... For that exact reason, because he didn't want mm-hmm. to have to quote, I'm going to say, sell out. I mean, he literally sold to Star Wars <laughs> to sold, Disney. He sold out before the movies were a thing, yeah. making those he, merchandise deals. Yeah. He knows it's a different well, kind of. Well, he structured it's not an it purposely. Sellout. Yeah, I know. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's always about making money and creating right. a world. But he always right. knew that if I had to bend the knee to a production studio that this movie would never be made the way I wanted mm-hmm. to. And well, think, Lynch um, kind of went into making Dune having accepted that. And I think that's one yeah. of his regrets now that he is a director that has the ability to negotiate more control and final cuts of movies and stuff like that. The idea of going back to something that was messed up from the beginning is just not appealing to him. And I totally get it. I, yeah. I, I don't need to see four hours of this. I, Really, I don't. Uh, See, I disagree because – well, back to the Star Wars thing. I think technically um, Empire Strikes Back is technically an independent film. Yeah, he's, he took yeah, all the money he made from the first one to make Right, he has like a record for it, I believe. But um, So it's just so interesting that's the whole backstory because that's kind of what I picked up on is that he wrote the screenplay based on the – the actual novel, like maybe not verbatim, but very mm-hmm. close. And that could have been very similar could to have been season trilogy, one of which yeah, I think is no, what the new season movies. one of Game of Thrones. Yeah, it could have been a season of yeah. Game of Thrones. And I think that the new Dune is a two parter, actually. So what we're oh, going to see, I, I want to say so, and let me double check. But what we're going to see is not going to cover the full book of Dune. I'm pretty sure. Oh, if they don't get to, the, if that ends just getting to. Arrakis, I'm going to be really annoyed, but we'll see. Oh, um, I'm sure they'll find a way to make it exciting, but uh, yeah, I think. But either way, I, they kind of learning from the from this movie of like, yeah, well, well music and from adaptations as a whole. Interesting, and you well, know, we'll get to music. We'll you get know to who's music directing this movie? Oh. Dennis Vill. I'm going to butcher this name. Vill- Villanove. Uh, he directed Arrival, which is, for oh, my money, yeah. one of the greatest modern sci-fi movies out That's there cool. right now like one of the best sci-fi movies made in the past 10 years is fantastic so the fact that he's doing dune i'm pretty excited but um back to the kind of <laughs> oh well yeah um his adaptation of the novel it's interesting that it was um kind of verbatim from the book it was going to be four hours which is kind of like something i f- it, it feels like he had much more time with the first half of the movie and then made drastic cuts to stuff in the second half because it feels vi- – it's like very quick and rushed but still feels long. <laughs> right. So this could have been a 10-part 
you know, Game of Thrones style, you know, use actual dialogue from the book, use real scenes, make it verbatim. And I think his vision of it could have been really, really good. But what we ended up with because of time constraints was, like you said, I I mean, I don't know if it's a bad movie. It it interests me enough and it was good enough, I guess. Mm -mm. You know, I'm under some iconic scenes in it, like. The pieces are greater than the sum of its parts. If that, Did you ever want to shut it off? Um, I probably would not have finished it if it wasn't okay. for the show. I genuinely would have. Cause, Didn't you say that about Blade Runner 2, though? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I would have shut that <laughs> off, too. Um, but you respect Blade Runner more. Um, True. I think Blade Runner is a better movie because it is very cohesive. It it it's a full piece whereas this feels like a chop job you know it just Which it just it was. feels wrong there's something very clearly wrong about the editing of this movie like yeah. there'll, there'll be like a 30 second like he'll be marching in war and then there'll be a 30 second scene that just abruptly goes to where it's like here are your 12 powerful soldiers yeah. and he's putting their red paint on and it cuts back to the fighting scene it's like what a mess what a mess that he, they right, had to do that yeah. to explain who these people are as quickly as they could while they were actually coming up in the movie it, very very bizarre and then the movie just ends where it's like he's bringing oh, I, water to weak, the world yeah. and it cuts to waves and it goes through every cast member in alphabetical order like they all died <laughs> and it's and then they, like it was and like in the in memory of the part of the oscars you're like this is so weird and it's like a bunch of the like you know not major cast members that are coming up first uh, very very bizarre so much of a so much jumping through scenes skipping through scenes like psychic main characters and villains and stuff just to underdeveloped is the word because it was developed but i call it a hatchet job like they took the four hours and just absolutely (laughs) yeah so i took a couple of no i thought we were going to talk about this later but since it's coming up so Mm. great ideas interesting ideas that i want to see that's why i want to read the book but i think Mm. maybe they were developed in the actual four-hour cut which i would really love to see but it will never the the sister that's crazy witches the sonic voice water of life the water caches they had like thousands of underground um the the girlfriend the freeman in general was bad all of these things just are i mean picard there's so many things that's that right are... picard's in it sir patrick stewart i was kind of i had no idea he was in the movie I. I was like whoa he's been keeping this a secret <laughs> but all of these things are like such great ideas that they just totally skim on that you know that i'm like this was all a huge each one of these was a huge plot point in a four-hour cut and they all had to just do little bits of it instead of cutting 90% of it out and only doing really important stuff, which is how adaptations are done nowadays. But, you know, this is – it had to happen. You need to learn how to adapt a fantasy, a sci-fi book, a mystery book, anything into something that actually makes sense on a right. screen. And they didn't know it yet. Right. And I have actually an interesting quote from David Lynch uh, from 2006 that is when he said this talking about the film um 
doing the film, I started selling out, even in the script phase, knowing I didn't have final cut, and I sold out. So it was a slow, dying the death, and a terrible, terrible experience. I don't know how it happened. I trusted that it would work out, but it was very naive and the wrong movie. In those days, the maximum Hmm. length they figured I could have is two hours and 17 minutes, and that's what the film is. So they wouldn't lose a screening a day. So once again, it's money talking and not for the film at all. And so it was like complicated and it hurt it, it hurt it. There is no other version. There's more stuff, but even that is putrefied. First of all, the like weird delivery of that is in line well, with what I yeah, think David Lynch is like. Right. <laughs> I, thought, yeah. I feel like he speaks like he's in Twin Peaks. Right. right. Oh, speaking of Twin Peaks, I meant to mention this before. You watch Psych, right? Yeah. Do you remember the Twin Peaks episode? I do. That was Dual my first introduction. Dual Spires or Dual something Spires, like yeah. that. Yeah. That was one of my first. That was my first introduction to Twin Peaks. I was like, "What the heck is this?" And then I looked it up and watched some. Of it. Oh, yeah, it's funny. You know, there's even another guy in here, right? So Ridley Scott left production of Dune to make Blade right. Runner, and then the guy who's directing the new Dune actually directed Blade Runner 2049. So it's like all coming which we full gotta watch eventually. Way. Yeah, some eventually. But it's all coming full circle. Yeah. This is weird that this whole like 65 through 85 <laughs> sci-fi bundle is all – there's like a web of directors and ideas. and I imagine um, the circle of producers. filmmakers was way smaller then than it is yeah. now. So it doesn't – Especially in anything that's going to be like horror sci-fi right. or – or, or blockbuster yeah. too it's like there's mm-hmm. only gonna yeah. be a handful of directors and they all know each other and that's still kind of the case but right but well speaking of the you know the future and the new movie and where it's going so what do you think the new i i feel like um I, what's the new movie that one of the main characters is disney channel girl do you know her name no yeah there's someone but from- she she plays i'm assuming she plays the girlfriend paul's girlfriend and i have to imagine they're going to give her a way bigger role because it makes no sense to have like a star in that role oh yeah and there's a lot of like like strong female leaders in the story so but the I- story is from what i understood very not female friendly. Oh, well, Paul is very clearly the chosen one, right? So Well, it's not a... Paul, but like the whole, isn't the theme, not the theme, but the, one of the things I picked up in the movie is that, oh, the women are really good at witchcraft and this stuff, but only a man can do this part of it because they're afraid to look into the, the void or something. Um. Well, the Did whole you... thing was like the... They weren't so he like Paul wasn't ever supposed to be born. Um, he's right. supposed to be a woman, and I forget the reason for that. I mean, there's so much going on that this movie does cannot possibly tell you. No. And I've only the, read the first couple chapters of the book, so I just don't know. But yeah, um, yeah the there, first there's a piece fifteen to that. minutes of this is such an information drop. It's like yeah, but they mentioned like if only you like you had birthed a woman like we told you to, then we could go out and like negotiate but she also a marriage has a choice with too? this and that. And probably modern technology. Yeah, Zendaya is the name of the leading. Yeah. Exactly. Female so cast I think member in the new movie. Uh, what was I it? think the new movie is going to hopefully redo a couple of the oh, things. Oh, she in plays. This. Yeah, I think she plays MJ in the 
She the, does. Uh, yeah, yeah, in Spider-Man. Yeah, in Spider-Man. But I think the new movie is going to redo a lot of the missed opportunities that the 1984 one had. And oh, really yeah. Like you can still – like I can yeah. see the influence just from the trailers, right? Like the costume design looks virtually the same uh, between Well, that's movies. one of the good things. Like, right. Yeah, the Doom the, the Planet looks virtually the, the same. Like yeah. there's a lot of one-for-one shots that I recognize. And that's because – look, there was some good filmmaking done in this movie. They threw a huge budget together. These scenes when they're in the desert and there's like explosions going off and there's like 100 people running around. Yeah. It's, it's cool and they pull it off. And these elaborate sets. I mean you had some star power. Oh, the you, sets were crazy. Do you know who that uh, Sting was in the movie? <laughs> Sting. Sting was in the movie? Sting was the guy that wore the um, bikini and was super ripped and skinny. He was one of the Baron's oh, nephews. Oh, Fate? Fate or Fade? Yeah, something that like that. That was Sting? Fade was Sting, yeah. That's funny. Right. He, well, that, I mean, I was going to bring up him later because he has... You could cut him out of the movie completely. You can't cut he out Sting. No, he literally has no purpose in the entire they movie. The of, that, but Yeah, but that doesn't need to happen. You could no. have cut him out of the entire movie. There was no point of that duel at all. He must all. be and it was, like a popular they, character from the books that I, people I were imagine, looking Yeah, I imagine and he is. And once like, you cast Sting, you can't cut him from the movie. <laughs> you just cannot. No, I get that. No, I get that. But I'm saying having that character in the screenplay is a waste. He's All they do is like look at him every once in a while. The Baron, like... like licks his lips at him once and then he fights Paul and that's it. Right. Like he doesn't need to exist. No. I mean, when you look at the movie for what it became, like when you do an adaptation, you cut out a lot of stuff, but this movie didn't get adapted. It got one, it got one to one for four hours and then had to be cut from that. So when you cut from something that was intended to tell the whole story, it's going to be more confusing no, than if you're that. trying to tell yeah. a two-hour story. Yeah, I know you understand that. Right. I'm just like repeating that. It's like that's yeah. why this movie doesn't work. And that's yeah. like the art of adaptation. When you watch exactly. the Lord of the Rings movies, which everyone loves, there's so many things left on the cutting room floor from the books, right? The whole Tom Bombadil situation, yeah. all the ruffians at the end mm-hmm. of the Return of the King. It's like the editing process of going from book to screenplay in that movie was like perfection absolute perfection i have no idea how they did it how they knew to cut what they cut how to embellish what they embellished like they turned helms deep into a huge thing which it was an important thing in the books but the book wasn't not like 30 percent a helms deep battle scene (laughs) like there was other stuff that was going on that they totally cut so like when you're in the mind of not just cutting but also augmenting the interesting parts that's where like the real art is and this movie didn't do that at all yeah, just, you have to have a like, vision highlights for it. reeled things that would absolutely confuse someone like me that never read Dune. So I was like, what the mm-hmm. heck is even going on? And do I even care? Was For most of it, no. Because right. I feel like the whole, in the book, the whole plight of the Fremen and their like place on Arrakis is really impactful. Mm-hmm. And I could, I could, in the movie, you're like, oh, they just kind of are there. And they say, there's a lot of them. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, he's training them now. Now I feel like, yeah, I, in the book, I can imagine what they are in the book. I feel like it's, um, I don't know what the best example is, but like think of, like okay, now I know David Lynch probably had this planned out, but mm. 
in the version we got, it's nothing. I mean, heck, even like the Rugrats Passover special Mm -hmm. and like Prince of Egypt. And I know that's not a perfect comparison because there's like new Egyptology information and all of that stuff. But in those movies as just standalone movies, not a historical fact, that the plight of the Egyptian slaves is you feel that and you and they have to break free and they have to take over um, against the tyranny. And I can see that from the Fremen, but you don't get any of that in this. They kind of just are there and they're like, okay, cool. You're one of us now. I was not expecting the Rugrats Passover special to get a shout out today, but no, here we are. but that's something I thought of because there's a lot of biblical imagery and uh, biblical references in this book, and that's literally a biblical story. Yeah, well, they literally and, said he yeah. became a god at the end. Well, that, see, that's a whole other thing. I never understood most of that. Like, there was that whole, um, you know, it wasn't peace be with you, but it was very, you know, similar. And I was thinking, okay, based on the time of this, was that thrown in because they did a force be with you, or is this from the dialogue from the book? There's, there's a lot going on. I have it written down somewhere, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, there's a lot of biblical imagery in here that I don't really get. It's not like 2001 where we could pick up on all the themes and kind of figure out the metaphors. Here, there's not enough meat on the bone to actually understand the metaphors and themes oh, yeah. from the book. Because they didn't so allow any of them to be highlighted or be developed. The theme of this movie kind of falls apart because the plot's so confusing. Like, yeah. They weren't able to pick an avenue and give that the support it needed, add scenes, create scenes, right. embellish scenes, and cut the rest. Like they, That just was not a part of the process here. And that's ultimately why this movie um, suffers. There, like, I think another part of where this movie suffers, and I want to bring it back to Star Wars again since this is Roger Roger, like... It's interesting to see the two different types of science fiction, right? In this one, you have so many complicated words and techniques and sciences. You have spice melange. You have, oh, he's the blah, blah, blue and the the, the blee, blah, blops. And we're using this and that. Where Star Wars is like lightsaber. Okay, <laughs> like the, it's think think a saber now made of light. That's what it is. Yeah. And it, it, it's just that different approach. And so when you have a story whose plot is already chopped to bits with a blunt axe, now you work in this heavy science fiction um, jargon into the mix. All these words or every other word is like right. something that's super sciencey, but also doesn't make any sense and is a made up thing at the same time. <laughs> So it's like, what is even going on? Like, it's one of those right. high concept sci-fi stories. It's not like Star Wars where it's like, oh, the force, a lightsaber, an X-Wing, yeah. Yeah, a, a TIE fighter. <laughs> it looks like an yeah, X. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like No, but that's a perfect – I mean, we talked about this um, – If we, I did an episode of your other podcast where we talked about is Star Wars actually a fantasy, mm-hmm, not a right. – you know, uh, and that may have been like devil's advocate, but um, <laughs> it, I think there is credence to it because traditional sci Sci-fi is more like Dune and more mm-hmm. like the novel Dune. Mm. Star Wars is, you know, it's closer to a fantasy novel than it is to a traditional sci-fi novel of the time and even before that. You know, it's just there's something to that. And I think George Lucas knew that going in that sci-fi is harder to get people into real sci-fi, like hardcore traditional sci-fi. Something else that's a little more adventurous, a little more fun, a little more Indiana Jones, a little more, you know, Flash Gordon. You know, I never 
obviously that's just a reference. I've never seen it or listened to it, but uh, he knew that. And that was, hey, let's frame a sci-fi story because it has all this inter- interesting tech and locations, but let's do it like a fantasy novel because it's easier, more accessible, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And this is not that. And if you're going to do Dune like verbatim, it's got to be done differently really because i i mean that's another reason why i want to read the novel because i love stuff like that when you have the time and you have the attention to detail to right because you can tell there's a lot going on in this movie but there's like three or four different factions and there's a whole like subplot subplot and there's there's this whole economy and infrastructure around the spice and that to me is also very interesting because you have dune the planet right where it on the surface is a total wasteland of a planet totally deserted useless but because tatooine right exactly but because it's where the worms are and the worms make the spice it becomes the center of everyone's attention and right that in itself is a really interesting (laughs) setting and concept that we just don't get to don't get to see developed at all. Yeah. So it's unfortunate. Funny that you mentioned that, though, because it is uh, – I, I wrote this down in my notes. I thought it was funny um, how the world revolves around Dune uh, – the universe revolves around Dune. Mm-hmm. And meta-wise in Star Wars, the galaxy revolves around Tatooine. <laughs> it's <just laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> right. Something about these desert planets, man. It's it very can't attractive. Get away. You can't get away. Yeah. Um. Something that you haven't mentioned yet that I could have sworn you were going to mention in like the first 30 seconds is the music. Oh. So do you know who the um, the composer? composer is? No idea. I believe it's Toto. Who did like? Isn't that really the, the rains band? in Africa? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I'm I'm almost positive. No, really? Yeah, I'm very sure. Wow. Okay. I mean, came up in. I mean, I haven't done a Google search, but it said it. It said Toto in the uh, in the credits. The so credits of the a... movie said Toto. Yeah, right on screen. Toto. You know, the the music just didn't really have an impact on me. Not to say it was bad, but I just don't remember it really. Well, I'm surprised you didn't catch the Toto in the. Uh... No, I mean, credits. once it showed the wave and all the people, like I said, like they died, I turned that off. I didn't get to that. Yeah, I didn't get that far in the credits. Oh, yeah. Music by Toto. Yeah. Interesting. So, now, here's something that I, I mentioned earlier where that the beginning half of the movie is very atmospheric and kind of works for me. It was a little boring. Obviously, it was very jumpy, but it kept me... I was intrigued the entire time. There were oh, there was always a new idea or a new set piece or something weird happening. Oh, it was very happening. intriguing. It, oh, it kept me... That, the first part of the movie kept me like, like really intrigued. Mm-hmm. But then it felt really long, even though it was very short. It was odd. But the beginning music was very atmospheric and I think worked really well to me. I'm surprised you don't feel that way. I don't have any thoughts about the music. I really didn't walk away remembering it huh. at all. And I think it complemented the scenes really yeah, well. I it do kind remember of had a weird feel. the vibe always being very interesting. Right. Um, 
it, it, it felt kind of dated. It, there were certainly plenty of times where the actors were delivering lines where you could tell they had no idea what they were saying. Yeah. <laughs> they were just saying all these sciencey words. It kind of reminds me of um, Harrison Ford where he's like, uh, you can write it, but I ain't going to say it. <laughs> it's like, These guys are just like, I'll say whatever you want. Just write it. <laughs> like, like That's kind of what it felt like here. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Something about David Lynch's style as a director is makes it work. Like when things are odd or off or you notice them, they like that stand out in a way yeah. that you might even consider like an error sometimes like oh they they messed up the audio recording of that but it's actually like a, ter- a directorial trademark of david yeah. lynch so when you have them doing weird scenes and they're talking over loud noises or they're saying things and the voices are warped and twisted and overlaid to the point where they just sound super weird and don't make any sense it still pulls you in somehow and i think that's mm-hmm. david lynch's art as a director coming through in those moments and if there is a cult following which i really don't think there is for this movie but if there was they're very small and (laughs) it's it's for those reasons right there's a lot stylistically in this movie that works and and it's interesting that toto did the music I, i know for the new movie it's hans zimmer which i have mixed feelings about like he, 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 he makes very dramatic scores but I, I would have been more open to if they got a band to do the score and made it more um, a band, aesthetic. Though. Yeah, a band. See, I, 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 when I think one of the original doing, versions what? of Dune before David Lynch took it over, one of the guys that had it, one of the directors, wanted to use Pink Floyd. And it was just like, no, that will never happen. <laughs> see, but I could see that because the, the first half that. of the movie has really weird atmospheric, like, you know, it's just, it's creepy it's kind mm-hmm. of but it's fitting it's sci-fi it works the second half of the movies you get like guitar riffs and i feel like oh somebody yeah was like, did get rock and roll yeah, every oh, once in a while but I do really that. 80s hair metal rock and roll and mm-hmm. i'm like this does not fit this is bad why it was good before not great but it was good why'd you mess it up like you, it was very atmospheric and then during that fight scene and not only just then they had other you get weird 80s hair metal guitar riffs and stuff and it it really just it took me out of it I even think more even because if the I, music I, was good even if those motifs made sense i think by the time you chop the movie up to hell basically there's no stringing along the music to save no, it no but it gets worse is what i'm because saying because with like worse say like let's that. go back to lord of the rings again like every character had its own motif like the shire had well, so did a, star had, wars had a lick that invoked a theme so did star wars and it's like when you have a plot that's developed it can be saved by these like you can develop the music along with it and we just didn't get yeah. that for this and i mean star wars had the benefit of john williams at his like right like be launched into stardom which is such a this. great get yeah like yeah. how do you end up with John Williams. I mean, he has saved several movies. It's crazy. The, 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 yeah. Like when he comes in, he just gives movies a whole new yeah. life. And it's something that this is just to get on a total tangent here, but it's something that like the modern day movies, especially like the Marvel movies, just totally fail on at every point. The music is horrible. And it's like, yeah, how many times do we like movies because they sound good? Like Indiana Jones, Home Alone, <laughs> Jurassic Park. Yeah. I'm naming all John Williams movies right now, but like <laughs> Lord of the Rings, Pirates of the Caribbean, yeah. where it's like the music brings the movie to the next level. 
And when you just... Here's a weird one. Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. That was the Nine Inch Nails guy that did Pacific Rim? I think so. Right, 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 right. So epic, epic. And Tron, like that movie was not good, but... People oh, love the hey, score. Hey, hey, we could watch Tron. I, I'm a, I don't Tron want to watch a modern, modern day no, Tron, the new one. We watched like, both Tron. No, we're watching both Tron. Yeah, sure. but I was referring to the new one that had Daft Punk. Oh, well, that one's new. new. Right. It's still like 10 years old, <laughs> we, but yeah. the Daft Punk no, the soundtrack was what I was yeah, getting amazing. at. That's the best part of that movie. It's one of the best scores ever. Yeah, soundtrack's awesome. It is. But but speaking of soundtracks, I don't think, um, like you said, I don't think a perfect soundtrack would have saved this movie. But having somebody say, you know what, spice it up with some guitar solos made it worse because they were like, <laughs> oh, people are bored. People are bored. Let's uh, try to keep yeah, them interested. I mean, it would be cool. No, like, no I think about like Mad Max, for example, where they use electric guitar to pump up the action parts. And it was like a really crunchy, bassy guitar. Like, chung, chung, yeah. chung, chung, and it worked but it but was it too little too late for this too. movie yeah and like there's a character who plays the guitar with, and like <laughs> with it, a flame thrower yeah and it was works. like worked in from the beginning but yeah you're right it's too little too late in the movie to right. really it work. wouldn't have changed it right it wouldn't have it wouldn't have changed it and maybe they had plans to do more of that throughout and it just got cut but who knows you can't it doesn't seem like uh, that what i never really got that from the movie I, there were things adaptation issues and this was probably a very um verbatim version of this the screenplay was a very verbatim version of the novel so at four hours but i don't think there was much too much thought into music throughout the whole thing i never really got that feel no no i mean it did nail a vibe every once in a while and it was very like you know spacey synthy at times which is fine um but did i say that um did i say that uh the pacific rim score was done by the nine inch nails guy because that is not true by the way oh then who is it (laughs) uh ramen dawadi d-j-a-w-a-d-i ramen i have no idea so that's who composed the music he's a movie composer for pacific rim 2013 that's all i know about him you said it with such gusto and confidence. I know, because he does so many of those you movies. You made me believe it. I know. I, I truly believed it myself, but it is not the case. Uh, oh, he's known for Game of Thrones. What? What did he compose in Game of Thrones? Interesting. I'm trying to think. Like, anything... What the Iron doing? Throne, the Bells, yeah. the Last of the Starks. He's got all the... Did he do the... Did he do the intro music? Cause that's iconic. I could, I could kind of see it if he like, did. That would be like, you know, quite the career trajectory for him if he did that. Yeah. Best known for his scores in the Marvel film Iron Man. Oh, here I am eating my words. And the well, no, HBO series of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the good ones where you actually kind of remember the theme. You kind of remember the Avengers theme, and that's it. You know. Wow. And it's only you only remember like two seconds of it anyway. But you don't know Thor. You don't know Ant Man. Wow, Ant-Man, he you don't scored know Game of Thrones. That's so impressive. Guess. Well, let him go. I mean, we acknowledged his talents years beforehand. Although, actually, no. Game of Thrones was 2011, and Pacific Rim was 2013. So he was already kind of a big deal. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess. That, well, I don't think anybody knew Game of Thrones would be huge like 
preemptively, you know? I mean, it was big pretty much at the beginning. It got way huger way no, later No, but I think on. it was a gamble going into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, he wrote it, and it was popular by the time Pacific Rim came out. So, oh, yeah. Oh, it was huge. Yeah. Huge by the time it came out. So, hey, the guy knows how to work a theme. <laughs> Give him yeah. that. So, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, what what... Here's something. We, the whole reason we watched this was to prepare for the new movie to come out. Uh, what do you think the new movie has to do to make the story of Dune good now that we can learn from the first attempt here in 1984? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a very good question. For me... It is definitely a closer attention to the plot and looking at adaptation more as an art than a science. Those are the two big things for me. It's like we need to tell a cohesive story. And if that means like only doing the first half of the book, then so be it. If that means okay. cutting a lot of stuff that we won't get to see from the book, then so be it. But... That's going to be a huge challenge, especially with modern audiences, because like this really heavy, high science fiction stuff, I just don't see that being it, a though. priority in a, for a movie studio for a I blockbuster. Know. I just don't see it. So bringing you can that tread the line, though, you can certainly you can. But I just don't I don't think that's what this movie's doing from what I've no, seen. So like, how is it going to bring that down? a few levels for the popular audience. I'm not sure. Well, there's going to be a lot of comic relief in it, unfortunately. You so think I don't know so? How that's... Yes, I do. How do you know that? Uh, just a feeling. <laughs> just a feeling? You said it very confidently, <laughs> like you had some kind I'm of inside absolutely scoop. absolutely sure, Charles. Based on what? Just a feeling. <laughs> hey, but uh, I, I feel like there's going to be annoying comic relief. Um, I think... I f I'm still I think it's going to do a good job I hope it treads the line of high science fiction which I don't even know if that's a term but uh, deep science fiction and blockbuster endgame type stuff you know because it, 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 it wants to be a popcorn movie but it's not a popcorn movie. And I and that's just how movies we talked about this on maybe on the 2001 episode where the movies are made the reason why we get so many more serialized TV shows um like of uh, mini series and stuff like that is because you can tell a longer story like that. But a blockbuster movie has to like triple its budget otherwise it's a flop. And they have to make movies that are going to make a ton of money that's going to be general audience and it's not going to be too thought not thought-provoking, but too high concept. So we're going to dumb down the science, up the comic relief, but hopefully we can do that in a way that really gives fans of this book and maybe movie something to latch on to. And I feel like that might be important. Like, who's remaking Dune now unless you really love it? That's mm -hmm. my thought. So I feel like what they're going to do is they're going to really work on the adaptation part. Axe a ton of the movie. There are, there's going to be so much that's cut out that you're going to, when, you know, um, plot lines, subplots, other characters, 
that are going to be gone, and I think that's for the benefit, and really work on the stuff that works, like the plot. And um, I think most of the last movie didn't have anything mm, to do with the so plot. So here's, okay, here's actual um, fact here. The director confirmed in Vanity Fair that his adaptation of Dune will be split into two films in order to ensure that the original story would be preserved and not cut into a million pieces. That was a quote. However, contrary okay. to the common practice of filming several installments back-to-back, only the first movie, which roughly covers the first half of the source novel, was greenlit and produced with an option sequel depending on how well the first film performs (laughs) it's already been like three years (laughs) oh we'll uh, see we'll see here it goes but yeah it's gonna be half a half story and so that's a piece of it right there so now all of a sudden that epic battle at the end is getting postponed and you know i think that epic of a battle (laughs) it really was and it's like we just rode up here here we are but there was a lot of explosions and stuff like it looked expensive didn't really look that expensive it looked like they copy and pasted some clip art explosions <laughs> over stuff it was not great but um at least in my opinion but they actually so, did have a lot of explosions though that's i mean yeah i mean i guess but some of it was not great like the stuff on the ships like in the air was not great but all right so first half of the movie they're going to spend not too much on too much time on dune which is interesting mm. then yeah, yeah, we'll huh. see. I mean, we're definitely going to see the the worms, which are so iconic. Also, maybe at the very end. And I thought that was a very convincing effect. I think if any special effect has it's the best part of the movie yeah. survived, it's the it's the technology that went into making those worms because it kind of reminds me of. Um, which movie in Star Wars was it that they were going through the asteroid and it was basically that you could tell it was a guy with like an oven mitt. Yeah. It's <laughs> like trying to eat right. them. So it's like we came a long way from that just to tie it back to Star Wars again. <laughs> uh, what are the what are the uh the monsters that live in the belly? Um the monsters that live in the Trinox? belly. Trinox? Uh somebody's gonna kill me for that. <laughs> So something the and the director for this new Dune is a huge fan of Star Wars, and he cast Oscar Isaac, who is in the sequel trilogy. He's our Poe Dameron. Oh, is he Poe? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And is he, he is Poe Paul? No, Paul is oh, played Paul? by um, that famous actor who's been Timothy Chalamet. I don't know who that is. He's like an up and coming guy. He's a bit younger, but he's in a lot of stuff and. Uh, um, yeah, he's got a lot Looking of fans. And interesting also, we never we have yet to talk about Kyle McLaughlin. It's so interesting well, we'll to, get to see him as a baby. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. Uh Timony uh, Timothy Chalamet? Timothy Chalamet, yeah. Okay. I mean, you can just look up Dune twenty twenty one, it'll come right Oh, up. I have absolutely no idea who this guy is. All right, but okay. So who is Aquaman? Who is, is he Aquaman? Duncan? Oh, Oh, you're talking about who is like the actor that plays Aquaman? Yeah. No, no, not Jason who, Momoa going right. to play in, in this? Dune? Yeah, he's cast in this, but um, no idea. Oh, hold on, we got to check this quick before we get we move back to eighty four. <laughs> I'm not sure of the cast member that he's playing, but yeah, it's it's, it's star studded cast. We um, I don't know how they're going to develop these characters. Duncan, I was right. Which had two lines of dialogue, which I'm sure is a main character in the novel. Which so that, one is Duncan? Nice is Duncan the dad? 
No, Duncan is the guy who was sent to Arrakis first, and the... Paul hugged him once. <laughs> who? He, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. It's somebody Paul you would have no idea him who once? it is. Yeah, it was that's... not the Patrick Stewart character. He was a good guy, you're nope. saying? He's a good guy. Okay. He's like kind of Patrick Stewart E. He did something like he's got no mm. characterization, no plot, no nothing. He shows up twice in the movie, and you can tell he's like probably a huge part of the book. He's either his tutor, his trainer, or his his dad's you know right hand or something. There, he's an important character. He just got nothing in the book. So he's Duncan. Paul is this guy I don't know. Zendaya is girlfriend who I don't even know her name because I don't even know if it came up. Um, Patrick Stewart could reprise his role. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he won't, but that would be cool. A sting cameo. That would be pretty sweet. That would be funny. I, but it's again, definitely not going to. I don't think anyone that was in that movie wants to be associated yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah. Like the fact that but, I had no idea Patrick Stewart was even in the movie is a testament to that. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think they could do – I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think they could do a very good job – um, making this, you know, but it sounds like if the, if the director really wanted to cut it up into two parts just to preserve the integrity of the story, maybe it will be like a high sci-fi movie and it won't be popcorn fodder. I mean, you now, haven't seen Arrival, right? No, I haven't. You definitely have to see that. But yeah, the guy's last three movies are Arrival, Blade Runner, 2040, whatever, mm-hmm. and now Dune. So the but guy's this is, made a lot of high-concept uh, sci-fi back-to-back-to-back, and he clearly has an appreciation for these old-school movies. Though. Well, of course it is. It's Dune. It's probably a $100 million movie. It's got to be, you know? But it's made by a guy who comes from that background. So, And with things like Game of Thrones and stuff, people like these different factions and politics and resource management and all that stuff. Like there's a lot of appeal to that. I think I wouldn't count that out too soon. I'm not like, no, I'm looking forward to it after seeing this and seeing what it could be. I'm really, I'd love for them to bring down all the the nitty gritty stuff and kind of generalize a little bit, but I'm still open to high concept ideas for sure yeah it's just surprising because i don't think we got to arrakis until like 40 minutes into the movie for the first time so they're really gonna have to play around with this because i feel like zendaya is too big of a get to not have her own like half the movie so well you never know you never know i mean thanks to like hbo max and a lot of these like streaming services people can go back to taking risks on creative projects like these. And I mean, this, but this is a theater has been release. in the press. It is, but it's also going to be on HBO max same day. That's where I'm watching it. Um, I know, but I might see this in the movies. That's true. I haven't been to the movies since I've been a few times. Damn, like I my don't first think I've been time going back in game. Wow. I don't think. Yeah. yeah. I, I think my last movie in the theater before everything changed was probably the Sonic movie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, you told me, I watched it once it was free on something, and it was not bad. I enjoyed it. It was kind of dumb. I mean, it was dumb, but it it was fun. It was what it was, Jim Carrey's return to the big screen. Um, But, yeah, it was what it was. But that may have been the last thing I saw. Maybe Invisible Man, whichever. It was either Invisible Man or the Sonic movie, whichever one came last. And then... Um, I saw the 
the newest Marvel movie, the one with the about the Ten Rings. I, that that's the one I went back to the theaters for, and then right. I saw Green Knight, and uh, wow, now I'm here. So yeah, yeah my uh, my theater idea is that there's some movies that are made for the theater. Dune is probably one of them. Uh, my perfect example is Pacific Rim. That is a movie you want to watch on a giant freaking oh, screen. Oh yeah, Pacific Rim. But then there are some movies that you know. Um, this that you, you know, are gonna TV, go to an IMAX theater. This is one yeah. that. This is the first so Dune adaptation it. to be. It's filmed in IMAX, you know, so you know it's gonna be good. Those like big Panasonic, yeah. expensive lenses. It. it was filmed on that, so it's made show- to be shown. Ugh. It's just annoying that I have HBO Max and I'm going to not use it. <laughs> Pay to for go a see movie, it in a theater. Right? Yeah. right. Spend like <laughs> 60 bucks. <laughs> All right. We'll see. I'll do it for the show. You, you do it for the show. Turn it into I a might, thing. I might. I guess I haven't been. I, I love the movies when it's worth going. I really do. Um, and that's not every movie. You know, a small little piece. Like you said, Invisible Man is a perfect example. That's You don't need to see that in the movies, but. Some movies really benefit from it. You know, I, I, I this movie is probably going to end with just given, like you said, how long it took to get to Dune. The movie's probably going to end with like a, him looking over Dune or like seeing a giant sandworm or something like that's pro- like that's got to. That be. would be too much of a tease, and they know it won't make money. Then it, it's. I think it's got to be. I think they're going to make another one. This movie has been the most anticipated movie for like. <laughs> 20 Has months it, or are they just pushing it <laughs> it's both I are think. people talking about it besides it's us? been like this and james bond and like black widow these were like the oh, movies I that were gonna come yeah, out heard black widow was bad and yeah but it's um, a marvel movie i didn't so see take... james bond anymore because i after the last one i swore off of them i'm gonna watch stinks. the new one it came out just nah, this last weekend stink. at the time I'm of this sick. recording I'm sick I mean, of those They're always movies. fun, though. I'm no, they're not. I Spectre was such a freaking letdown with Christopher Waltz, Christoph yeah, Waltz Christoph as a Waltz villain. Was a disappointment. He's, no. he's like the quintessential Bond villain. It's not his fault. They just didn't write anything yeah, for him. I, I don't, yeah, I'm sick of those movies. I'm going back to watch <laughs> You're a big Sean Bond Connery fan and Pierce too. Brosnan. I am <laughs> a big Bond fan, but it's they've been losing me consistently. You're since. a purist. Well, this I think this is the last. No, I'm Daniel not. I like Craig. Pierce Brosnan. He's such a wacko. <laughs> I like Pierce Brosnan, and he's so too. much fun. You got to have a fun bond i think this is daniel craig's last bond movie i'm pretty sure oh, he said that like during casino royale <laughs> i don't think he did during casino i think <laughs> no, he had been signed on he for a bunch it, right. of movies he, i know he said it at least four times now and the last time he said i absolutely hate playing bond it's the worst thing ever i wish i'd rather like step on glass than doing it yeah well if they write him a big enough Which, check yeah, but he's not a good Bond anymore, and I don't even th- Skyfall. I'll give him, but the rest of them are not good. I don't know if that's a hot take or if anybody even cares about Bond anymore, besides me and a bunch of old. I mean, people. <laughs> Daniel Craig never really stuck out to me as a performer, but he's good. And um, no, he should be in like a Bourne movie. He's not James Bond. I, I, I'd like to see someone like you said with a, a little more that's a little more cheeky and yeah, like. A little more of a like a snarky, funny personality guy. coming out of him than right than Daniel Craig. But anyway, we're not here to talk about on. But it's not just that; it's the scripts, Charles. The scripts are horrible. Well, the screenplays are horrible. What, what's the name of this new James Bond movie? No it's, time it's to die, like, right? Yeah, don't, no time to see the movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, let's right, see let, the early right, reviews. I mean, eighty-four percent right. Rotten Tomatoes, sixty-nine percent Metacritic, though. And, 
um, but see, oh, but I'm not Voldemort looking for it. a good. I'm not looking for a and good Rami movie, Malik? Charles. Hmm. I'm looking for a good James Bond movie. Naomi Harris. Die Another Day is a crappy movie, but it's a really fun James Bond movie. Okay. It is. Well, now's not the time to talk about. But you get drifting around an ice palace. James like, Bond. In. We're here to talk about Dune, and I think we've said it all. Um, Wait, no, we forgot the character uh, McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, he's a little yeah. baby in this movie. He's cute. I know. It's, it was very – it took me a while to place I him. I mean, Twin Peaks like, fans just have to face. watch it to see baby yeah. Kyle McLaughlin. But just looking at him, I was like, I know him. Well, I know him. And mm-hmm. then, it, you know, I placed it. I think this was like his big break too was this movie. He was pretty good in it. I thought he did a fine enough job. Yeah, I liked him as a, a, a main character. It works. I mean, I wasn't like – super overwhelmed by No, his but I liked him enough. But I liked him enough. That's fair. Yeah. You know, he's a He was endearing when he wasn't just being, a very like, good weird. like chosen one straight edge yeah. hero guy. You know, he he lived up to that just fine. But there's just something there's not a whole lot super inspiring about that kind of character trope these days, but he did a very decent job i bought him as wow. the lead and i thought he was good and i would recommend it to anyone that's a fan of his like from his yeah more modern stuff he has a cult following for oh, sure oh yeah and I, it even like i'm a big fan of um if i could even remember the name of the show but uh the Twin comedy Peaks. no the comedy with fred armiston <laughs> and um portlandia portlandia yeah he's fantastic the, he's, he's the mayor, the mayor. <laughs> ah you're right he's, he is amazing in that yeah he he's the oh mayor of God. portland he's so good in that <laughs> it's like this was the guy oh, that was riding the, the sandworm being like the spice the spice melange i must taste the water <laughs> you know it's like yep so dune is his first acting credit on IMDb. Wow. It was the beginning of his um, first one. Number his one. His relationship with David Lynch that has served him well to this day. Yeah. And uh, crazy. He was also in Grand Theft Auto 3. <laughs> uh, there's a Look funny like Cohen Brothers quote about him. The boy next door, if that boy spent lots of time alone in the basement. <laughs> 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 Which is kind of true. <laughs> yeah. No, I like him. So, yeah. And I think he was solid. Oh, he's in How I Met Your Mother. I never watched that. Oh, yeah. He's, he's the captain. Yeah, they joke where it's like they can't tell if he's like crazy or not from his smile. It's like, is that a crazy smile or a normal guy smile? You can't tell. That's fair. Yeah. That's very so, fair. He's good at that look. Yeah. But yeah, as the mayor in Portland, that's... He is also funny. going to be um, Carol Baskin's husband in the Joe Exotic TV series based on the I Netflix smash hit... Tiger King. But who's making that show? I have no is idea. Is it going to be a Netflix show? I have no idea. That I'll sounds bad. Just going to go out there and say it. Unless well, I mean, the, unless the you, trashiest think, possible you think David Lynch is making it? This is going to make then no sense. I am in. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> he wouldn't do it. I think he's been scarred no. for life from like hot yeah, properties. That would be funny, though. <laughs> uh, one episode, 22 years in prison. I guess it's a. A TV show, not based on. I guess based on. Yeah, it's called Joe Exotic TV series. Interesting. It I'm sounds bad. No time to die. <laughs> but you know what, guys, we did it, and we're looking forward to the movie. And you know what, might read the book I'm more than I expected. To be honest, looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it too. I, I think it could really 
benefit from a modern lift and a professional lens through a storytelling aspect like and a modern adaptation style you know this director is more experienced than david lynch i mean maybe not he had an oscar at the time but this is his third movie meanwhile and the first science fiction movie yeah. meanwhile we are this actor has already done some big budget sci-fi hollywood movies already so you'd like to think that he's more experienced in terms of making a big budget sci-fi movie um, i think he is so just because you have an Oscar doesn't mean you're, you know, you but might know Elephant what you're doing, Man, but you're not, not for right. Blade Runner 2048 or Arrival. Right. Like, he's familiar with working with studios to make big budget sci-fi movies. Like, he has yeah. that experience. And I think that will serve him well. And I'm, oh, it's going to be on Peacock. I thought it was going to be on HBO. Did they move it? No, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. The Joe Exotic show is going to be on oh. Peacock. <laughs> What are you talking about? Nobody has Peacock, (laughs) but the Joe Exotic cast is going to be on Peacock. I I care even less now. Yeah, exactly. I know it, which was hard to do. (laughs) I know it. I know it. So, well, guys, we've said it all, and go watch it if you haven't. Oh, you know who's going to be Carol Baskin? Is that um, the actor from SNL, Kate McKinnon? Who was in like the oh Ghostbusters reboot? I might. Ha- she is. I don't watch that much SNL, but when I do, she kills it. She I mean, is very she, funny. She gives it her all behind every performance. You know, she throws I, a lot into it. I might watch a preview to see if she acts like a wacky, crazy person. Which she might. That could be fun. I do like her quite a bit. So not a huge fan of that movie that you mentioned, but I do like her a lot. Right. Right. So. That's enough tangents for one day, guys. Blade Runner, 1984. Nope. Uh, nope. Uh, nope. Dune, 1984. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not letting that go. Blade Runner, 1984 is also very far Well, 1984 off. was the year the movie came out. So I know. Dune, right. 1984. 20, I was Whatever. Point is, we watched Dune, guys. The old one. Some really good yeah. things go about the movie, but ultimately... Don't I don't recommend watching it. It's not worth anyone's time, um, unless it's wor- you're that, a huge David Lynch fan. It's just no. why. If you're a classic sci-fi fan, it's worth your time to check it out. Maybe if you want to see pieces, a movie that was edited to hell poorly. <laughs> to right. the point, if Star where it's Wars wasn't saved in the edit. Watch this. Yeah, this would be like if Star Wars had like a bad editor and tons of studio meddling. That's what yeah. it would be. Plus, tons of high concept sci-fi elements, not just lightsaber no. and force, but like spice melange and like I yeah. I clearly think and, that if you're a big sci-fi fan, which you guys probably are, that it's worth checking out just for. Just, just to see what it is, the I impact. Don't. It might no, it might get you interested in the book, which I am actually more excited for than the new movie because I feel like it's going to be really good. So I, I definitely think it's worth checking out if you're a huge sci-fi fan and you're interested in a part of sci-fi history. Only watch Not it like if you no. read Dune <laughs> and you're a big fan of Dune the book and you somehow haven't seen this movie. Watch it. If you're a fan yeah. of Kyle MacLachlan and you want to see his cute little baby face. Watch it. <laughs> if you want to see why David Lynch will never do another Hollywood blockbuster ever again, watch it. Otherwise, okay. save yourself the two hours no. and 20 minutes and go watch it's Arrival instead. Even, well, go maybe watch that. Arrival, I do agree with that. Go watch 
2001 A Space Odyssey. Go even watch Blade Runner, which I also don't particularly oh care God. for. Blade Over Runner's the, very This good. is the worst movie that we've seen on the show so far. But granted, we've only seen 2001 A Space Odyssey and Blade Runner besides this, but it is definitely the worst. Uh, movie. Yeah, I think so. Well, okay. Well, all right. Here's Hopefully everybody left by now, but here's a quick <laughs> hot take. Um, do you think it is better from a totally objective point of view no fanboy involvement is it better or worse than attack of the clones worse dude worse yeah i think so attack of the clones beyond just being worse. a huge fan of star wars is super fun to look at total to look at. popcorn movie tons of fun barely i barely consider it a movie <laughs> it's barely a movie but it's fun like it, yes. No, I there's agree. There's action I agree. pieces, chase scenes, lightsaber fights. This has Good none music. of that. Yeah. Great no, right. music. Fair. Flashing okay. lights, cool transitions. This had some cool transitions, like dissolve not fades really. and stuff, but not not at the Star Wars level. Uh, no. I, when it when it did happen, I was like, I can see why they're like, is this what science fiction fans like? <laughs> like we're just trying to make money here. Right? Yeah. So I, I, there yeah. were some moments where it did that, but yeah. Not a huge fan. Oh, yeah. Attack of the Clones all the way, dude. All the way. Okay. okay. I, like, dude. I mean, it's not It's not as jarring. It's not... I don't think there's as big of a gap as you're saying. As from a totally objective, like, movie reviewer perspective, they're both not good movies, but it Dune is worse, for sure. Dune is definitely worse. I, and I do think it is the worst movie we've seen by far, because all the other movies we've seen are good. Like, not Star Wars movies. Yeah. Like... 2001 was a f- that's the like best one that we've seen movie. so far fantastic and blade runner is a really good movie it's, it's a good just movie not your too. style yeah i recognize yeah. it as a yeah. good movie this movie is no bad. one recognizes as a good movie i see no. the good parts the potential yeah i see the yes, potential yes, of it yes. and i'm super excited to watch the new one the coming out let me know how the book is in a few gonna... weeks i'll let you know the book is so far i'm liking it and i'm in like you know david lynch lifted a lot of the dialogue from it which i like as yeah. well so he did a good job i think if he was given four hours six hours yeah. to make it he would have done something really interesting um but he didn't mm. so that's that but yeah. i think they learned from that and now they're making i hope so like they're splitting yeah. into two movies and they will get those four hours <laughs> so looking oh, yeah. forward to seeing it maybe more maybe more maybe more yeah. S- spinoff potential and you know there's so many other books in dune as well um tons and tons yeah. of potential we'll see how it goes for now i'm just not even cautiously optimistic i'm just excited so consider me i think that's hyped. the way to go because who knows i'm not quite hyped i am optimistic that it's going to be good. Yeah, I think I'm, it's I'm going looking to be forward fun. to it. Like yeah. you said, it's going to be like a fun IMAX experience. You watch it, have a few laughs, have some tasty popcorn. Have a few laughs. We'll have a few laughs, have some spice, <laughs> spice melange. <laughs> Little melange. All right. Well, I think we talked about it all for Dune. A little we, sand. Oh, we never said, I hate sand. Are we? Oh my I know. God. We're so out of the Star Wars. How did we thing. not start with that? Yeah, I mean, another reason oh why we God. should watch Attack of the Clones over this, that, because the sand is rough, it's that. coarse, it gets everywhere. Hopefully people haven't bailed by now and got to hear that we did make that connection. I'll make it, I'll tweet it in the episode <laughs> announcement. Yeah, like, Damn, I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> it it did, it did look very rough and coarse out there, so. It, it didn't look that bad, it looked pretty smooth. 
Odyssey. Yeah. Well, I, there's actually a stat on IMDb that like there was a ton of staff members spent like several days cleaning out hundreds of acres of like a Mexican desert to film oh this my. movie. Yeah, like picking to it just clean. have it pristine, yeah, uh, pristine, pristine sand. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And I remember, like, I visited a Caribbean island that was filmed for, like, the, oh, why is the rum gone in um, Dead Man's Chest? And you could tell that, like, they had cleaned every shell off of that beach. Because in the movie, it's, like, pristine. And then you go there, and it's, like, all shells. I don't even think you can take a boat there now, actually. I think they banned boats from going to the Tobago Cays because there's so much shallow water there. And just... Yeah, people kept getting stuck. Yeah, people getting stuck. And also, there's, like, environmental factors and... Mm-hmm. Um, those waters Reefs are tricky to such. navigate and it was becoming such a popular tourist destination tourist where people would just pull up on their boats and <laughs> so they, I think they have police it now but at the time That's I was good. there there was like conch shells and all kinds of other shells and you see the movie and it's like clean yeah. beach like they definitely clean it so that's another fun fact that's that's the sand wow. fact for the day guys Some yep. you want to instead of a sand fact you want a sad fact yeah you can talk about this on uh, FTF Rip book review. Rip book review. Our hometown bookstore. What do you mean, rip book review? It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. What? Yeah. What do you mean it's I gone? I bought a book there about three weeks ago. Went there like last weekend. Gone. Vacated. What? Empty. Yep. We were just okay. Dylan and I from FTF went to visit you literally a month, two months ago. And yep. we went there and bought a book and everything. I was there three weeks ago. It was still, maybe it was four weeks ago, but still. And then last weekend, gone. Wow. Maybe the weekend before. You send me gone. a picture. That place was iconic. I met J.K. Rowling there. Yep. Bill Clinton would go there. James Lines Patterson. down the block. Yeah. It was such a cool bookstore, too. It was really nice. One of the last. I was thinking yeah, when it, I was there, I was like, there's just not a lot of places like this. Where it's no, like an it was independent the, one of the last store. ones that I know of, and it was the thing is it was huge. It the was rent massive. There was like two stories. Yeah, I bet their like, like rent what? contract yeah. probably lapsed, and then it was like, oh, now yeah. pay us a million dollars a month, and they're like, dude, we right. sell books. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> right, <laughs> we sell books and not that many. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, we, we sell books but, in twenty twenty one pandemic bookstore here. So, but uh, yeah, that that's a sad one. So mention that. Man, to, that on is FTF. a bummer. It uh, was such a nice place. You got me on live on air reacting to this. Being I had like, to. This is a bummer. I yeah, well, I'm, I wish yeah. I had gotten my copy of Dune there, but I was going. Uh, that was where I was going to go, but then I thought, oh, it's dead now. So, R.I.P. Man, book yeah. review, huh? And we just, you know, FTF. We got retweeted by them just two months ago because we posted a picture of ourselves there. So, uh, that's didn't a help, you I have guess. To, you have to, does Dylan know? You'll have to tell him. Dylan doesn't know. I oh, mean, you have to drop a message in our group chat. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I, I got to go I'll before well. even more horrible stuff happens. This is enough for one day. Oh, I could keep saying sad facts all day. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Um, so, um, thank you all so much for listening. There's definitely nobody listening at this point. Uh, to our thoughts on dune 1984 appreciate you we'll be back for dune 2021 guys huge Huge. don't want to miss it until then maybe i'll have read the book by the time we record that episode probably not i'll probably be like halfway through but we will see and i'm looking forward to that so yeah 
Thank you guys. See you for guys. Uh, yeah, next time and for Dune Two, mm-hmm. the Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> Goodbye. Roger, 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 Roger. Roger, Roger.